Hey everybody, welcome to the Thursday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I am your host, Scott Steen, a lead handicapper at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together we make up Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. And we are excited about doing that as always. Taking a look in our, one more day after this, Scott, in our college football preview. As today we take a look at the Pac-12. Of course, we'll be having our bet the farm play a little bit later. Maybe talk a little NFL, reward some donkey of the day. And talk about, I don't know, Scott, this, this guy is going to be, he's king of the day. I don't know how many other days he could be king because he's rolling. So we're going to uh, do that as well. A lot of stuff to get to. How's your day, man? You doing okay? Yeah, overall was fine. I uh, ended up taking a loss with uh, the Angels run line, but it happens. Otani was not very good, but either way, yep, Orioles finally won one. Congrats to them. But as a whole, yeah, it was kind of fine. I made a little bit with the Giants, but pretty, I think I basically broke even. Yeah, right, good. Well, had the uh, we had the Chicago White Sox and the Toronto Blue Jays under. So that worked out well. Robbie Ray and Giolito going at it there. Nice pitchers duel. So that worked out well. Oh, he had 14, 14 strikeouts. What's that? Ray had fourteen strikeouts. I believe, I, think. I believe that's what he ended with. Yeah, he was he was absolutely dealing. He's it's Robbie Ray, buddy. He, <laughs> a guy that we laughed at last year, couldn't figure out why he was still in the league and wondered about his future this year, and he's been fantastic. So. Yeah, there you go. I just we're just not going to get to see him in the postseason. I don't think. Do you? Uh, no. It's a shame. It is a shame too. So Scott, before we get going with the rest of the show, we've got to check in. We've got to get it out of the way. Talk about the people that really kind of took that bad beat. Now you know with the well, you know what? I'm not going to spoil it. Let's just get to it. Let's see who took it in the shorts today, Scott. Get ready and call those cops. All right, we will start off in the major leagues. And of course, where better place to start than with the Giants and the Mets? Scott, Giants first five minus a half. They led one zip going into the bottom of the ninth. Excuse me, that should be bottom of the fifth, right? Yes, bottom of the fifth. Yes, very good. Uh, The Mets had the bases loaded, two outs, nice, easy ground ball to Chris Bryant. Scott, Chris Bryant, not exactly known for his defense. What do you do with the throw? Well, you had Pete Alonso running, so you had a speedster going to first well, base. So you got a rush. Yeah, and Bryant proceeded to launch it halfway up the first baseline. Ugly, ugly, ugly. They score a run. It's 1-1 after five. That is a brutal beat right there. If you had the Giants' first five under a half, hey, call the cops. And looking at the second one, if you had the Cubs in game two of the doubleheader, plus one and a half, on the reverse run line against the Rockies. It was a tie game after seven, which is equivalent to the ninth inning of a doubleheader. Tie game after the first extra inning. Tie game after the second extra inning. And then the Rockies scored four runs in the 10th inning. And the Cubs only scored one. Rockies ended up winning 13-10, to 10, which is an even worse beat because you probably had to sit there for about an extra hour and a half just to see your team fall apart next inning. Yeah, you're thinking, you know, it's a it's it's a seven-inning game. You're going to be out of there quick. And no, it turns into a Coors Field game, except it was at Wrigley Field. So mm-hmm. beautiful. And Scott, we had to get to it. If you had the Angels on the money line, or worse, the run line, or worse, the alternative run line, you were all of them. You were in great shape. You led 6-2 after six innings. We've seen this movie before. Well, we've seen it a lot for the last three weeks. Team gets out to an early lead against the Orioles, and they just continue to pile on. Except that is not what happened in this one. Scott, I believe you and I have mentioned the quality or lack thereof or of the Angels' bullpen before, and that showed up in spades tonight because once the Orioles got down 6-2, to two, they said, you know what? We got them right where we're running. And they reeled off eight straight runs, my friend. Baltimore, congratulations. The streak is over as they record a 10-6 victory over the Angels. If you had the Angels, sorry, guys, it had to happen. Call the cops. Yeah, at the end of the day, I'm curious what the live line was on the Orioles' money line when they were down four runs. What do you think is worse, giving up eight, eight runs to Baltimore over the span of about three innings? or not scoring a single run against Baltimore's bullpen for about the last 
four innings. Whew, you know, you're going to get some bad breaks as far as scoring runs, maybe hit some atom balls. I think giving up eight, I think giving up eight unanswered to Baltimore is worse. The funny part of that game was that they intentionally walked a guy when it was six, six to set up the bases loaded. Cause he was second and third. So they intentionally walked the guy to set the bases loaded for a force at every base. Next batter, same pitcher, walked them on four pitches. You intentionally walk somebody just to walk the next batter on four pitches with the bases loaded. You know, that's kind of the rule with intentional walks. You better be sure that you're not going to walk the guy right behind him. So, yep. Brutal. All right. Well, there was some good news out there for players today. If you had one of these teams, you were in a good position. You had a nice, easy victory. Indeed, you were sitting in the rocking chair. So the first one was a day game between the Tigers and the Cardinals. And if you had the under nine and a half, you were in good shape. You had four runs after nine innings. However, it was tied two to two. And we've seen this movie before. But wait a minute. Not in this case, because the Cardinals ended up winning three to two. Tigers went down scoreless in the top of the 10th. Cardinals walked it off in the bottom of the 10th. Really never in doubt. Went to extras anyway. And it still went under by about four or five runs. Yeah, very good. Very good. And if you had the White Sox Blue Jays under eight and a half, like my premium subscribers and myself did today, you're in great shape. 1-1 going into the eighth inning, and Blue Jays scored two in the bottom of the eighth, left the bases full. That was a helpful thing, and they did absolutely nothing in the top of the ninth, did the White Sox, and the game ends 3-1. to one. If you had the under eight and a half White Sox Blue Jays, congratulations, you made a little money, and you were sitting in the rocking chair. And for the last one, we're not going to be talking about baseball. We're going to be switching over to the hardwood with the ladies. The as ladies. you had the Mercury taking on the Liberty. And if you had the Mercury minus six, you were in good shape because they were up 13 at half and won the game by 27. Liberty Biberty, not very good. Crazy about my Mercury. Mm-hmm. You know that song? Uh, no. Not a bit. Okay, good chat. All righty. Scott. We had a lot of contenders for this one. We had a couple of we had a couple of strong we had a couple of strong contestants for this next award, but I believe we've got it right, my friend, because this this was a kind of a thing that you and I both said hmm? when it was we saw it on Twitter. Let's find out, Scott, who's wearing that golden feed bag today? Who's wearing the crown of donkey of the day? <laughs> All right, Donkey. All right, so Scott, they're really cracking down on the foreign substance situation. They nicked uh, Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher Caleb Smith. He had a little sticky stuff on his glove. That's 10 days automatic suspension. But there is kind of a funny story about that suspension, Scott. What is it? Well, you're suspended if you cheat, but apparently you also get paid to not play. I see. So, correct me if I'm wrong, what does the rest of the world call a 10-day suspension with pay? I call that a vacation. That's a vacation. That's right, buddy. That is absolutely a 10-day vacation. And here's the thing. It said he was appealing. What? Wh- why? What What are you doing? I'm assuming it's pure reputation. I I guess so. I, I just don't understand. You're, you're pitching for the Diamondbacks. They are... As we stand right now, 42 and 85. They're not making a run. I don't care how good Caleb Smith is, how many starts he doesn't miss. They're not making a run. 10 days suspension with pay. Not exactly what you'd call the big stick. You give him a little carrot, but you're not giving him much of a stick there, my friend. I just, I don't get it. I, I don't really understand the idea of the punishment itself. I know, of course, we're making jokes about how bad the Diamondbacks are. And now Caleb Smith should be embracing his time off from losing. And the actual punishment should be having to play extra games for Arizona over yes. the next couple of weeks. <laughs> Absolutely. But for the sake of the MLB, who are the donkey of the day in this situation, how do you punish somebody for cheating by letting them take time off and giving them a normal salary? And see if they can get a little better at cheating. You know, that's the way it works in prison. You get some. You get to go into prison for some minor crime, and you come out. You're a master criminal. That's the thing with Caleb Smith. He's going to be able to like check all those YouTube videos on how to get away with it. I don't care for it. I don't. You know. By the way, I just I just looked up and I noticed. Are 
Are you in a Are you in a work farm, Scott? Did you get convicted of like traffic tickets or something? You got that background behind you. You've got kind of the white shirt with the collar. It looks this like is one of these old uh, work release programs. It looks like you're like on a chain gang or something. Are you Are you in Mississippi on a chain gang right now? I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not at liberty to say, but we can get to that another time. Okay, fair enough. Oh, man. All right, Scott, let's take a look. This is one of my favorites as well. It's a segment we don't do every day, but we can usually find somebody because there's a lot of drinking going on right now with the odds makers. Scott, once again, I think the odds makers were drunk today. Take it away, inmate. So... Looking at the odds makers are drunk. You had the Mets and the Giants going at it, and I mentioned that I actually had the right side on that one personally. The Mets were minus 110 against the Giants. Now, the issue with that is that the Giants have the best record in the major leagues, and the Mets are imploding as we speak. The Mets had lost nine of their last 11 games going into that matchup against the Giants, and yet it was a pick which doesn't really make any sense. And the Giants, shockingly, won another baseball game. They won 3-2. to two. So my question is, regardless of the fact that Walker was definitely a better pitcher than Cueto, we mentioned it on the MLB recap yesterday, don't the Giants have to automatically be minus 125 no matter who's pitching against the Mets? Yeah, pretty much. Because, we, you know, unless unless DeGrom comes back, I think that'd be the only exception. But we talked about that. We we gave every reason in the world why we hated Cueto and then said, yes, the Giants will probably win because the Mets are terrible and they can't score. And that's exactly what happened. Not really much more to add. Alonzo single-handedly stranded about, I don't even know, six runners on base uh, yesterday. Uh, he was awful. Wasn't pretty. Wasn't pretty at all. All right. And we're going to wrap it up here with, this is probably the most phenomenal sports story of the day, Scott. We are always looking for that hero, that gambling hero, that guy that always comes through for us and the guy that's on the incredible heater. And you don't get more heater-tastic than this young fella. It is time for our gambling hero. I love that damn sound. Beautiful, beautiful. So good. You want to do the honors for this one? I will. There's a young fella... Plays Little League Baseball for South Dakota, Scott. His name is Gavin Weir. And to say he's doing well would be a bit of an understatement because he had his fourth no-hitter of the Little League World Series yesterday. He led South Dakota to a one-zip victory. All right, guys, stay with me on these stats right here, okay? He's made eight starts on the mound here in the tournament once they turned into a super team. He has struck out 114 of the 132 batters that he has faced. Holy mackerel, Scott. Um, I'm loading I'm loading up on South Dakota. I want to see that South Dakota-Hawaii game. You? I feel like that's the matchup we're going to end up getting because Hawaii also won again yesterday, and we mentioned them minus five and a half about a week and a half ago. Seems a long time ago, but they are fantastic. Point is, is that I believe Weir, if you do the math, has struck out about 86% of the batters he's faced. This is just stupid. Can can we get some, like, can, can I see his, like, birth certificate he, or something? Or are we sure he's of age? He also hit a home run the game before last. Yes, he did. So Yes, he did. So he's doing everything. I heard struck out 86% of the batters. I got excited. They were, I, think I struck out 86% of the time. But that's, mm-hmm. the, that's, that's very different. So if you haven't seen this kid, check your local listings, your local listings, and make sure you check him out. He's a... He's not exactly big. He's a, he's a decent sized kid, but he's like a he's like a lanky left hander, and yeah, kind of kind of a Chris Salish guy. Got a got a fantastic throws a lot of breaking yeah. balls, a lot of big sweeping curve balls. He is really a lot of fun to watch. So we'll have to track his progress. I'm still taking a while to win the whole thing, but the problem for South Dakota the fact that we're has to not pitch every day. They have to give him a day off or right, two, right. which I think might be the issue. But 
He's phenomenal. Yep. He really, he really is. And you understand that rule. You don't want to, you know, those young arms are still developing and growing and everything like that. So, Oh, of course. I'm just saying, I don't know if they have anybody else in South Dakota who's actually good on the team besides this one kid who's just guaranteed to give up no runs every time he pitches. Well, I mean, he must be pretty good because they've made it to the, they've made it this far so far. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find out South Dakota, not exactly usually a hotbed for sport. So stay tuned. I know I'll be I'll be watching South Dakota and Hawaii. Hopefully that will be the matchup. And quick reminder to you guys that you are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. Well, my friend, there was big news yesterday. We knew it was coming. We talked about you know what exactly it would look like, and the answer is uh, don't really know. The uh, alliance, Scott, the capital A in quotation marks between the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC was formalized. Yesterday, sort of. I mean, they said they had a deal, but there's no signed agreement, and there's no real meat to this announcement. The quote, the first the first line of the agreement is, we are going to bring 41 world-class institutions together on a collaborative approach surrounding the future evolution of college athletics and scheduling. My goodness, somebody took corporate writing 101, didn't they? That's when you have to reach the word count of like 300 words and you're at 150. It really does seem that way. Does that, does that mean anything to you? What is that? It, 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 I guess it, it uh, implies some sort of scheduling, some sort of cross contest with the, with the teams from the conferences, but nobody really knows. See, the fact that it's not a signed agreement gives me that type of scene from The Godfather in mind where all the mob uh, all the mob bosses meet up in like the back room to try to discuss how to fix a certain issue. And they're all just saying random ideas. And at the end of the meeting, you just have a bunch of handshakes go around. And that's pretty much how it gets resolved. Doesn't that have the same vibe to it where nothing's been officially solved, but you feel like everyone just went home and had dinner and that was kind of the end of it. Yeah, I, I get the feeling they, they felt they had to do something. They had to make mm-hmm. some sort of reaction, some sort of play uh, to trump the SEC and what the SEC has done. Uh, personally, I think the commissioner of the SEC and the rest of the conference is probably just laughing their butts off. What do you think? Yep, I think so, too. I think no matter what alliance you end up forming, we know the SEC is probably going to be favored to win the title every single year that Nick Saban's there. Gotta so they're so. clearly the creme de la creme when it comes to college football. That means cream of the cream, by the way. That. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> but either way, I just like the idea of having a bunch of these billionaires meet up behind a closed door in some garage somewhere and just to vent about their problems. Yeah, absolutely. It's It must be tough, huh? Yep. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. There was rumors that... There was going to be some breaking up of the Big 12. K-State, Iowa State were going to go to the Pac-12 and yeah, other shenanigans. Other teams were going to the to, to the Big 10. Do you give any any credence to any of that, Scott? Uh, not too much, but I'm not going to immediately write it or uh, you know, like throw it out. You? No, I don't I think it's a little premature. I'm not I'm not sure any of that is cooking yet. I think what we're probably going to end up seeing my guess is we're going to see the AAC and the Big 12 merge, and that's going to be your fifth Power 5 conference. That's fair. Because, uh, you know, the, the, up, and, up until, I don't know what, 15 years ago, the Big East was a power conference, and they pretty much yep. got demoted, turned into the AAC. So I think you're going to have uh, kind of a that, – that's my prediction. I think we're going to have – I think we're still going to have five as those two get squeezed together. So we'll keep an eye on this uh, collaborative approach surrounding the future evolution of college athletics and scheduling because I know – when I hear that, I'm tingly. Just I'm all tingly to see what's going to happen. I am. That excited. sounds like something you put on like a resume. Yes. Where you just say like you're a custodial, whatever, and it's like so you're a janitor, and you're like, no, 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 you don't get it. Like I do a lot more than that. You your know? your vision. Yeah, you, you, mm-hmm. you put your vision on your resume. I don't know. It's been so long since I've done a resume. I don't know. It's... The point is, is that you can say a lot of things to make it sound fancier than it actually is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they did. They just they wrote a paragraph that said nothing. Just we're mm-hmm. gonna. We're going to try to work on some stuff, so stay tuned. Great. Well, Scott, this was a big day for a couple of NFL players because they came out, a couple teams came out and named their starters. Jacksonville did it with Trevor Lawrence. 
not much of a surprise there. You and I talked about whether that was a head fake and trying to give us the okie doke down there, and we agreed that that's exactly what was going on. Gardner Minshew wasn't going to start, and he is not. But in Denver, in a move that, I don't know, probably surprised 40% of the people maybe, Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater is going to get the start over Drew Locke. So let's start, Scott. Are you surprised at either one of those? Anything really? I know we, really. we weren't really surprised I, at Lawrence. The Lawrence one, I thought it was going to start no matter what. Right. However, I'm actually not sure if it was an okie doke or the fact that Minshew just looked so bad in preseason that they really didn't have a choice but to use Lawrence. Because if you watched Minshew against the Saints, as soon as he threw that red zone interception at like the one yard line in the fourth quarter, you knew whatever 1% he had of getting the job went right out the window. Yeah. And Lawrence, I wouldn't say he looked great in the preseason, but he was definitely the more talented and just better overall quarterback in comparison. Uh, so I thought that it might not have been okie doke to start, but you could tell Lawrence was definitely the much better option after the first preseason game. So if you're a team that needs a second string quarterback, because I think we could agree that Minshew and Drew Locke are better than a lot of second stringers in the league right now. Who would you rather have? That's a very good question. Thank you. I would, I would probably take Minshew. Okay. Because since he was taken in the middle to late rounds, his contract's probably significantly cheaper. Of course, you know, not expensive for Locke anyway, but Minshew... I don't want to use the term gamer because that's kind of like a way of describing a compliment for somebody that you have no other compliments for. She's got a nice, per- she's got a nice personality pretty much. But the point is, is Locke I've seen, and I really haven't seen many positives from Locke in his career when he was a starter, a lot of really bad outings. Minshew's had some moments. So mm-hmm. if I had to pick between the two, I'll take Minshew, but they're both not exactly great options for a team that, has Super Bowl aspirations. Let's put it that way. Well, I don't think many teams with Super Bowl aspirations are hurting for backups. No, correct. I'm saying in general. If you're talking about a team that's desperate scenario, help me please make the playoffs, I'd rather take Minshew. How about well, how about how about Dallas? If Dak got injured, that's what would you would you rather have one of those two guys than Gilbert sitting on the bench? I probably would, okay. but at the end of the day, it depends on what you think either of them are worth. I'm assuming Minshew would probably fetch backup third maybe 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 like that's a stretch yeah I think Locke's probably in the same market maybe a four yep but I think Minshew's a little bit better out of the two you I think Minshew has a higher floor and I think Drew Locke has a higher ceiling okay so if you want consistency you want a guy that's going to be able to uh to just hang on to the status quo I think Minshew gives you the better shot if you want somebody that's going to win you games and lose you games man Drew Locke's your guy I think there's two surprises that I kind of have with the quarterbacks that have been announced or not announced. Okay. And I'm going to focus on the ones that have not been announced. I'm not surprised by Lawrence and Bridgewater. I know Locke was great in preseason, but with a defensive-minded head coach and a quality defense, you try to win the turnover battle as much as possible. Sure. And Bridgewater basically guarantees you winning that turnover battle because, for better or worse, he's a game manager, and you can kind of live with that based on how the team's supposed to play out roster-wise. But the two surprises I have are the – 49ers and the Saints because the 49ers still have not officially announced who the quarterback is. Shannon keeps getting asked about it and he keeps hinting. I have a good idea of who I'm going to use. And Jimmy G is just laughing on the side. I'm like, just, to, just announce it's Jimmy G. Like what, what, what's the point? Like, what, what are you going to do? But the one that surprised me more is the Saints because we all know Winston's going to start. That's kind of a no brainer, but just watching the game against Jacksonville, it looks like they're playing at two different levels. Yeah. Like Winston looks like an NFL quarterback. Taysom Hill looks like he should be a quality college quarterback. Yeah, I was going to say, he looks like he had to be starting for like Georgia Tech or something. And are, we'll just make sure Winston has not officially been named the starter yet. Right? No, no. What are we waiting for? I don't know. I honestly don't know. That was the one. That's the one that's most curious to me. I think... I think Shanahan is probably trolling the media a little bit because he they never really talked about having the media talked about having a quarterback battle out there. 
Mm. But th- it hasn't been the situation where it's really been wide open, I don't think. I think it just reminds me of the draft because they knew they were going to take Trey Lance, and the entire week was, well, we have an idea of who we're going to draft, but we're not going to tell you. I'm like, are we really doing this again? You can't just announce who you're going to who you're going to use. You think you think that perhaps Shanahan comes from that Bill Belichick school of being a little too clever for your own good. I think it's possible, considering yeah. the fact that he's blown numerous double-digit leads in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter before. You're very good. You know, this is... Harsh. Well, you know, this is a... Uh, I, I'm okay with talking about Bridgewater. That was a guy... You talk about him being a game manager, but he came very close to beating the Chiefs last season. I like him. Yeah. I, I didn't say he's bad. I think he's a fine quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he threw, he threw for 300-plus and... Uh, a couple touchdowns, no picks. So, you know, he's not a guy without talent. So we'll see. I'm not, as a Chiefs fan, I'm not trembling in my boots now that Denver has Teddy Bridgewater. I'll tell you that. We don't much. think Denver's going to be good as long as Fangio's there anyway. So nope. you might as well try to maximize your chances by not throwing three interceptions every game. I believe, Scott, if I'm not mistaken, this will be the sixth straight year with a different starting quarterback, maybe the seventh. They really miss Peyton Manning. And 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 next year will be one more. Because probably. They're going to probably draft somebody next year. So, All right, my friend. Any other surprises? Any other thing you're looking for as far as NFL quarterbacks being named or not named? Not really. I think the main one was the Saints. We all know Winston's starting. What's, what's the point? Agreed. Like, you already know. All right. Hey, uh, Amani Bates, number three prospect, according to ESPN in the nation, high school basketball player committed to Memphis. For the upcoming season, Memphis was fifty to one to win the title. Scott, now they're sixteen to one. Uh, any value left in that, or has that been wrung out like water in a in a dish towel? I think Bates is a great player. I think he's going to be very successful in college and potentially a very solid All Star in, in the pros. But you can't move a line down by like thirty four dollars because one guy committed. That's absurd. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, it's not you know if you if you had somebody transferring in. Yeah, you know, somebody in the transfer portal that could play right away or something like that—that that would be a different situation. But if you've got if James Wiseman could go back to college for a year, then maybe I'd consider taking Memphis. But I heard you're not allowed to do that, so I think Memphis will be fine. I think they'll probably make—oh, they should make the tournament realistically. I mean, they'll probably be a top twenty-five team throughout the entire season. I'm curious how they're going to match up against Houston because those AAC meetings are going to suddenly become really good between those two teams. Right. I think Memphis has elite eight upside. But they have a lot of inexperience when it comes to just making the tournament in general because, as far as I remember, Penny Hardaway has never been there as a coach. So I'm not going to take a team that's not made the tournament with their head coach to win the title. I think that's absurd. But I think they have a chance to make the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. Well, they are now – I'm looking at one of the offshore books, and they're the second betting favorite with Michigan, and they are down to 10-1. to Good luck with that. Yikes. Yeah. I like Bates a lot as a player, but it takes a lot more than one guy to win a title in college. I want no part of that. None. Yeah. All right, my friend. Well, of course, um, this is is there anybody you like? I mean, Gonzaga is the favorite at seven to one. I know it's a I know it's a little early, kind of doing some look ahead here. You think there's money? You think there's value on the Zags at, at plus seven hundred? Well, based on your beard, I know you like Gonzaga. Still got the Timmy, man. Still got the Timmy, buddy. Um, I'm yeah. I think they're. I think they're obviously the team team to beat. I don't know. I'm not taking them. You don't take you take the chalk at this point. I can't. No. With Gonzaga, this team has found more ways to blow golden opportunities than other teams have in a while, or for the last couple of years. I can't do it. This team is going to look so good in that conference all year long, and then you know they're going to go into a random elite eight game or a final four game. And something's gonna go wrong, and everything's gonna hit the fan. Happens every year. It's kind of it's kind of their mo, isn't it? Yeah, I think Michigan has value based on their number, not offshore. But if you're looking at another book, UCLA, I'm not exactly sold on Cronin winning a title, but they did impress me with the run last year. There really aren't many teams that I just say, "Wow, I have to bet you." Mm-mm. But I'm not betting Gonzaga at that price when they've proven time and time again they just can't win the big one. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. It's it's hard to look it's hard to look at their body of work and say, well, that's a team that can definitely finish the job. And I yeah. you know, I think I think part of that has to do with the fact the conference they play in. I don't think they're that battle tested. 
I don't believe they lost Jalen Suggs, picked up a seven-footer that's about 120 pounds, <laughs> and they're supposed to be even bigger favorites than they were last year. I don't buy that. Yep, that's that's a legitimate point. Um, it's going to be anxious to see that kid play because he is a toothpick. Yes, he is. He can shoot, but he's going to he's probably going to fit in well with that offense eventually. But I just I can't believe he's going to make that big of an impact in his freshman year. So, all right, well that's going to wrap up the first half of the show. You guys stay tuned. We're going to be back. For the second half, we're going to start off and take a look at the Pac-12, you know, because they still exist for now. So we're going to be back with our preview right after this message. Stay tuned, everybody. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay, hey, in my defense, you eat slower than the turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers? What's Winners and Winers? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting and they give you all the opinions that you need yeah see and the thing i like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context you know you go to some places and they just throw numbers 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 but they don't tell you what they mean and you just kind of your eyes glaze over but these guys not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context but they're fantastic writers they're great handicappers you mentioned college football coming up that's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use winners and winners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see, that wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them... Oh, man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously, though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. Welcome back to the second half of Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. And Scott, we're getting ready to give the winners right now as we take a look at the Pac-12. It's still a thing. So, I don't know, Scott. This is this is an interesting conference. To me, it's a little top-heavy. It's a lot like looking at kind of like the ACC. You've got, you've got North Carolina, you've got um, Clemson, and then you've got everybody else. And to me... That's the way this one kind of breaks down as well. You've got Oregon, you've got USC, and then you got everybody else. Thoughts? Well, according to odds, you can throw in about three other teams in there because the ACC has Clemson ahead of everyone else. Then you have North Carolina and Miami, not totally blown out of the way in terms of odds, but they're still somewhat there. For the Pac-12, you have Oregon, you have USC, you have Washington, you have Utah, you have Arizona State. So you got really... I would say five teams that have pretty lowish odds to actually get it done in terms of plus money. I stand by my statement. Okay. I, 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 I just don't. I meant solely based on betting odds, not just based on what we actually think of these teams. Yeah. You, you've got the, uh, or Oregon's plus 250, and, and actually Washington is the second betting favorite at plus 350 than USC at plus 400. I don't know. Can you sell me on this Huskies team? I said on last week's show or at some point that I actually liked Washington as a potential sleeper. Yep. Then I really just dug into the team and I made the realization that I'm not a big fan of Morris at quarterback. So I decided to kind of renege on my Washington thoughts. I think this team's fine. I think they'll still win eight or nine games, but they don't have many great weapons on offense from a wide receiver perspective. I'm not a big fan of Morris, who was okay as a freshman, not great. The defense, I think, is pretty good. The secondary is a bit unproven. But offensively, 
they don't have Chris Peterson's magic anymore in that conference. I think their new coach is okay, but I have some question marks about Morris. And that's one thing I did notice about this conference. A lot of, let's just say, unpredictable quarterbacks in charge of some really good teams. I don't know if you agree with that, but I'm not a big Morris guy. Yeah, I don't think it's a extremely strong year in the Pac-12 at the quarter, at the quarterback position. I'm assuming you'd agree with me. Slovis is probably the best quarterback in in the conference. Yeah, I think by default he is, and I'm I'm not sure. I don't really trust him that much either. Where's he go in the draft, Scott? If he if, if he has another because... season like he has, if if he doesn't take a huge step, you know, not a Joe Burrow kind of senior year, but if he just you know has moderate improvement, um, is he number one? Is he going to be a junior? He's not a senior yet, is he? I don't believe so. But the point is, is that people can make the case that he plays in an offense that boosts his stats dramatically because they play a lot of four wide, no huddle, up tempo style play, which definitely helps out. As a whole, I don't really think he's good enough to be a first-round pick. That might surprise some people, but when I've watched him play, he strikes me as a early to mid-second rounder, maybe an early third rounder. But then again, people are desperate for quarterbacks, so you might see some team gamble on him for a first-rounder. I just don't think he's good enough. I would take him probably second or third round, you yeah, I'm. I'm not even sure. I think. I think he might actually be a sophomore still, Scott, because they got the free COVID year. I was going to say the free COVID year throws all the eligibility stuff out the window. Yeah, so this is just his, his. It'll be his third year, but I mean, he could play three more years if he wanted to. Is my point? He could, but he's not going to. Graham Harrell, of course, with Texas Tech when he played, loved the air raid type of style, and that's kind of what they try to do with USC. I think he's fine, but he had a lot of really. I'll just say questionable throws last year, to put it mildly. Do you trust him? You might trust him by default in comparison to other quarterbacks in the conference, but I still think he's highly overrated. Uh, yeah, I trust him within, side, within the USC system and with a, a, lo- a lot of talent uh, at the wide receiver position. I think Drake London is probably the best wide receiver in the league. Now they m- Brown, though. What's that? What's I was going to say no, Amon Ra. Uh, he's gone, right? Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, that's what I thought. Is that the, that was the last one? Yeah. All the almond raws are off to the I league. Believe so, I believe all the St. Browns are done, or maybe there's one more, but he was, of course, the best weapon they had last year. Yep, absolutely. Of course, they're bringing in, uh, they're bringing in Ingram from Texas, yes, so it might take a little bit of the pressure off. I, I think that would help a lot if you could actually put a little balance in that offense, but that's probably he's, not what Graham Harrell's going to do. He's third down exclusive, though, isn't he? Just has a pass catcher. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they can do with him because he's they they think they can turn him into a runner. No, sure. whether they can or not still remains to be seen. Can he block? What is he like five nine? Yeah, he's not. He's not a big dude. He's not. He's not a big dude. And they've got USC has a pretty tough non con schedule. Um, yes. Well, I mean, they, well, they've got they've got San Jose State, but they've got they've got Notre Dame and they've got BYU. So no pushovers there. We just acknowledge that they made the conference title game last year and at no point last season was I ever impressed by them. Yep, I agree. I I, I, I completely agree. Uh, eight and a half for their win total. Where you, where you landed on that one? Truth is, I it's really just a no touch. It's a situation where I don't like the coaching staff. I think the talent is there. And we agree the Pac-12 is underwhelming despite how many teams are ranked in the preseason top 25. They could win nine games or even more. That wouldn't surprise me. But if the team struggled... And suddenly Clay Helton's on the hot seat again. Would that really surprise you either? No. So it's a pure pass from a win total perspective. Okay, very good. I've 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 got the favorites. I've I've well, I've got Oregon and I've got USC in the in the conference title game. Can you talk me out of that? Well, you told me you like Utah, so I kind of want uh, at least last week. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on Utah. I I don't hate this team. They're they're always a team that kind of overachieves, but at the end of the day, they always seem to lose. That ridiculous game that really, really cost them. And, you know... Um, I got Colorado in my head. What's that? I got Colorado in my head as like a team they'd lose to randomly. They, and they, all, they, were, they were, had a huge second-half comeback last year. They ended up beating Colorado um, by 17. Mm-hmm. But they were, they were... I want to say they were down two touchdowns at halftime. I think it was three. It was it three? I mean, they were... It was absolutely brutal. Um, of course, you know, last year they lose to USC and to Washington. Do you like Brewer? I'm okay with him. I, I'm. I'm. I think he's in a. I think he's in the right system. You? 
I definitely think that he's an upgraded quarterback. And based on how quarterback health was an issue last season, it's definitely what they needed during the offseason. But I like this team. I think they'll be good. I'm not sure if they can get over the hump, but would we agree that Whittingham is probably the best coach in the entire conference? Yes, I would I would probably I would probably say that. You know, this is a team, this Utah team, they are fantastic as small dogs. They're 20 and 5 over their last 25 as a dog of uh of, excuse me, a big dog of a of more than 7 points. So they are whenever they are undervalued, they are whenever they, whenever they are unappreciated, they are undervalued. So, yeah. Definitely. But now we got to take time to talk about the huge alpha dog in the conference because this team has the potential to be really really good i'm not sure if they're going to live up to those expectations but we got to talk about oregon oh i thought you're talking about the beavers uh very close uh close in proximity but no i was talking about the big brother to the beavers the well, ducks well we're going to find out soon scott because on 9 11 never forget it's going to be the oregon ducks and the Ohio State Buckeyes at That's the a great game. at the horseshoe. So it's a great game. That should that should be a fair amount of fun, huh? I'm taking Ohio State, but that should be a great game. I think I'm interested in taking Stony Brook the next week plus forty. That's that's a potential option there. But just to go through Oregon quickly, of course they've won the conference title the last two seasons. They have a brand new quarterback. Their original one ended up transferring out to Texas Tech. They now have Anthony Brown. If you don't remember him or vaguely do, he used to be the quarterback of Boston College who grad transferred over, who is okay. He's had injury issues the last couple of years, so I do question if he can stay healthy because they have no quality backup quarterbacks at all on the roster. Uh, skill positions, very good. Verdell and Dyer back as the running backs. Johnson the third and Redder back a wide receiver. They have Thibodeau, though, a defensive line who's the potential number one overall pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. He's an absolute lunatic. In that conference and the defense, the linebackers are good. The secondary is good. Thibodeau is a one-man wrecking crew. The main flaw with this team is backup quarterback or just quarterback health and the fact that Cristobal is a coach that we don't trust late in close games. Yeah, he didn't do well last year. Lost a couple of, I don't know, Scott, you call those ridiculous games? Yes, they were hideous. So that's the main, I'd say, red flag is trusting Cristobal to actually lead his team to a one-loss or no-loss season. But when it comes to overall talent on offense and defense, if Brown could stay healthy, this is by far the most complete team in the entire conference, right? Has to be. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna find that kind of talent on both sides of the ball. It, it, that is the only flaw that I see in this team. Is the, <laughs> it's like other than that, Mrs. Lincoln? How did you like to play? Yeah, the only flaw is the quarterback position. Of course, it is the most important position. Anthony Brown. Not a pass-first guy at Boston College. Like you said, he was hurt a lot. Of course, that line at Boston College, Scott, they left a little bit to be desired last season, didn't they? I'm just saying, though, they have no backup options. Right, right. No, that's And that's very true. So you've got to keep you've got to keep him healthy. And as a guy, you know, I, I don't know if I call him a run-first guy, but he's certainly a run-1A kind of guy. He is a quarterback that's going to look to do it with his feet when the, when the protection breaks down. And you put yourself in that position, you're going to take a lot of shots, and eventually one of them is going to pay off, and you're coming out of the game. So they're going to have to get somebody that they can trust at least to hand the ball off and look confident on, on offense because I would say, based on his past and the style of his play, Anthony Brown misses a minimum of two games. I think that's fair, but I think we would agree that Verdell and Die are definitely good safety options to have to, hand, to carry the ball about 20, 30 times a game. Yes. Yes, absolutely. If you if you got to just play ground and pound, you can absolutely do it with this team and the defense. I think will That's be so good. Will be there for you. So give me your official prediction. I gave you mine. I think it's chalky. I think it's Oregon USC in the title game, and I'll take the Ducks. I'm actually going to expect USC to take a step back. I think they're going to find a way to blow a game or two, and Clay Helton's on the hot seat again. I'm looking at Oregon against Utah. I actually really like this Utah team the more that I looked at them. It was originally going to be Washington as a team that I thought could make a run. I don't think they have enough to overtake Oregon, so I'm not going to go with them. But I think you'll see Oregon and Utah in the conference title game. And as tempting as Utah plus 600 is as a sleeper on FanDuel, I just think Oregon's too deep. If Brown could stay healthy for the majority of the season – they might be able to just win games by defensive touchdowns alone. This defense is absolutely ferocious. Yep, they really are. 
and you have no interest in Arizona State? No. Uh, we were actually going to – we talked about them before we went on air, but we haven't talked about them since we went on air. We both think Jalen Daniels is highly overrated as a quarterback, and Herm Edwards has done a pretty good job of bringing a program back to relevance. But there's a difference between relevance and winning seven games and suddenly winning nine or ten. I think this team's highly overrated. Now, for win total, I thought about them under. Their schedule is actually quite favorable, which is why I decided to stay away from them from a win total perspective. Right. But Daniels is a guy who people keep expecting to have a sudden rise where he would be a phenomenal quarterback. I'm not sure if he could even throw because he runs a lot for a quarterback. Yeah, he, he threw 17 touchdown passes as a freshman. And then, of course, last year they played, what, just four games? So He's not the same size. He reminds me a lot of Khalil Tate yeah. from Arizona. Yeah. I think they're similar. I can see that. You know, Herm's 17-13, three years as a coach. He's got, and he does have some starters coming back. Got nine coming back offense, all 11 on defense. But, you know, they've got the NCAA investigation going on. Mm-hmm. and that's always a distraction. His job could be in jeopardy. I don't know. We'll see. And they've, and they've got a tough road schedule. They've got to go to BYU, UCLA, Utah, and Washington. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to lean under the win total there, and I definitely don't think they take care of business in the South. What's your favorite win total, buddy? My favorite win total, I found an absolute gem. Uh, I found another situation where every book had one number, and I found one book that had a different number. Okay. Oregon State. It's the Beavers. The Beavers. The total in every book is four and a half. However, I found an under five at minus 135 on DraftKings. Okay. Now, for the record, you might push. There's no chance this team wins six games. No chance? No chance. Okay. Yeah. You can go through the actual roster. They lost their best player in Jefferson, who was the running back there for what felt like about 30 years. He's no longer there. They have an underwhelming running back core without him. They have Gebbia as the quarterback who was really average at best last year, but I would describe him as being streaky, not very good. Out of conference schedule at Purdue, uh, Hawaii, and Idaho. Idaho, of course, is awful to win that one. At Purdue, I think they'll lose. Are we sure they can beat Hawaii at home? Because I'm not even sure they could beat Hawaii at home. That game actually seems close. Yep, agreed, agreed. And then you go into their conference games, the tough ones, at USC, home against Washington, home against Utah, home against Arizona State, at Oregon. Even the home games, they might go one and four at best in those. I think this team goes four and eight, maybe three and nine, but they're definitely not going six and six. Okay, fair enough. That's 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 solid. I'm going to play the Arizona Wildcats under two and a half, Scott. This is a... They're bad. This is a bad team, and they've got most likely two non-con losses as they start the season with BYU and then entertain San Diego State. San Diego State always very tough on the defensive side of the ball and can run the football. Then they go back and they play Northern Arizona. There's no guarantees there that Northern Arizona team. Is that the, is that the Lumberjacks, Scott? That's Southern Utah. Uh, yes, Northern Arizona is the Lumberjacks. Lumberjacks. Fair program. They're not not bad for an FCS school. So they may give them all they want, but even if they go 2-1, and one, or excuse me, 1-2 and two in the non-con They've still got to come up with two other wins in the uh, conference part of their season, and I just don't see it, Scott. They go to Oregon, they go to USC, they go to Washington State, they go to Arizona State. Uh, I don't know where two more wins are going to come from um, in that schedule. I will take the Arizona Wildcats under the three and a half, and uh, we're going to get plus 105. Two and a half, half, rather, and we are going to get uh, uh, plus 105 on that play. Is it wrong if I said I would feel better about that play if Kevin Sumlin was still the head coach? <laughs> no, I think that's a, I think that's a legit point for sure. But yeah, I just picked Oregon State for the number alone. I think worst case is you're pushing yep. that team. You can look at the roster. I'm sure you have. If you're listening to this, then I'm sure you can just look at the roster too. This team's just not good enough. No, no, not uh, not not good enough to be in that uh, in that Pac-12 at all. So. Mm-hmm. All right, buddy. Well, you are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. I mean, not you, Scott. I know you're listening as always, but you are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you uh, the winners. And Scott, it is Thursday. Getaway day in the major leagues. Not as many early games as usual, though. We've got 
We've got a fine smorgasbord of contests here to carve up, my friend. So uh, get us started. What do you got? So looking at the games on the card, I am kind of intrigued by the Dodgers tomorrow at around minus 143, taking on Darvish with Scherzer on the mound. Darvish has been a pretty interesting pitcher this season because people remember him being very good to start the year. Then he's had some recent injuries, and he really hasn't been as sharp lately. Meanwhile, Scherzer on the Dodgers, shocker, wins a lot of games. I got to like the Dodgers there, don't I? I think you do. Uh, you Darvish hasn't been good last two months since since the 1st of July, 7-13 yeah. ERA. And um, the injury issues. Yep, too. and then he's yeah he's just coming off. He's got a, he had the back spasms. So he's got a decent whip, Scott. He's got a one two seven whip over that period of time, but... You're like, well, how do you have a seven plus ERA and a one and a quarter whip? I'll tell you why. Home runs. Uh, yeah, you give up 11 home runs in 35 and a third innings. That'll mm-hmm. do it. So not the best team to face if you are tend to prone. Uh, you're pr- prone to giving up the long ball. I agree. Uh, you have one game you like. Do I have one game I like? Oh, Scott, I have so many games I like. Uh, <laughs> We're taking turns here, so you go next. All right, fair enough. I like Chris Sale over John Gant. How about that? Is that a run line? No, I think I, I was I, I was just messing with you because the odds are absolutely prohibitive. You're you're about plus two or minus two ninety or so. Yeah, the John Gant experiment. He's been decent out of the pen. He's not been good as a starter. Chris Sale. He's been dealing so far, Scott. I, I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of loath to back this Boston team right now. I don't have a lot of confidence in him. But I think uh, I think you wanted to make a, a run line play. On the Boston Red Sox, you could do that. Um, I, you could also probably get, eh, I don't know, Minnesota under three and a half. No, I like the run line on the Boston Red Sox. I think I think they take care of business against John, not Mudcat Grant. Yeah, and looking at another game I like, I got to like the Yankees. Uh, you're looking at them playing in the Coliseum in Oakland at a pretty late game at around 9.40 p.m. Eastern time. Tyone's on the mound. He's been good. Caprillion's been good at home this season as a whole, though. Yankees, they've won 11 in a row. This team's been fantastic, and you're looking at them at around minus 110. I see offshore you can find a minus 106. They've won 11 in a row. It's one of those where just based on principle, the Yankees should blindly be laying like minus 125 here. I'll take around minus 110. Yeah, we talked We talked about that before. It was a, It's a very similar situation. Not only have the Yankees won eleven straight, Scott, they're twenty three and five over the last six weeks. That's mm-hmm. and and Tyone, you know what? I wasn't a backer. I think I've I think I've come around on him. He's been good lately. Uh, he has won seven straight. ERA one point nine nine. That's flat getting it done right there. I see no reason. Uh, I see no reason not to back the Yanks. I think you're getting a great price on him. This Oakland team. I don't know if they're done. Uh, that bullpen's falling apart, though. Trevino's trying to close, and he can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. So if, as long as the Yankees' bullpen stays in good shape, like they have been, um, I think there's a, uh, I think there's a good chance that they just keep that winning streak going. Any interest in uh, bad Brad Keller against the Cooch? I'm not interested in laying 160 with the Mariners, but I'd probably lean over there, which I'm not thrilled about either. But Kansas City recently, offensively, has been okay. Seattle's offense is actually pretty good against Oakland in the last couple games. I'd probably lean over eight and a half if I had to pick one play there. Do you have any thoughts on the Giants tomorrow? Because we just talked about it for odds makers are drunk. The Giants are now minus 117 against Carrasco, who has an eight plus ERA this season. Yeah. Don't you just blindly take the Giants? I think you have to. Yeah. And I and make no mistake, I hate Alex Wood. He's been awful. He has been absolutely the weak link in the in that starting rotation. We didn't like Cueto either. Nope. Still that's right. The two, that's the two pitchers in that rotation that I wanted nothing to do with. Just like we 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 sat here and laid out three minutes worth of why we hate Johnny Cueto, and then he goes, "Yeah, you should back him for sure." And that's exactly how it worked out. Mm-hmm. I I feel exactly the same here, except Carrasco. I don't think has been as good as whoever Cueto went up against yesterday. Tyon Walker. Uh, that's right. Oh yeah, Tyon Walker had been actually very good. So Carrasco has not been very good. I think you're getting. I think it's a steal. I think you're getting a great prize on. We'll say it again: the best team in baseball, right there. Gotta lay the wood. Yep, I agree. What else you got? Uh, well, look at everything else. I got to look at the over, which 
is annoying with Texas, but you got Hentges against the Lyles and nine and a half. I mean, based on the pitchers alone, don't you kind of have to just take at least a first five over or something? Yeah, there's going to be some runs scored there. Even if Texas is involved, I think I think you have to do, do that as well. So, yep. all right, my friend. Well, it is time to get to it. You and I have put our head to get, heads together. We have come up with our best play. We save it for the end because uh, that's how we that's how we roll. We like to we like to build the suspense. We've got a good one cooked up today, Scott. So let's see what we got going. Everybody, get ready. Hitch up those overalls. Put on your straw hat. Climb up on the John Deere and fire that sucker up because it's time. For back to farm. Yeehaw! All right, Scott. I'm I'm thinking this is the first time we have ever made this particular play. We are going to take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks against the Philadelphia Phillies. We're going to take the Arizona Diamondbacks to win. No, we're not. We're not going to do that. We're going to take them team total over three and a half, though. Minus 115 at BetMGM. You know, you might think, well, Diamondbacks, not a not a great team. They don't score money. Ah, uh, you know what? They've scored at least four runs in three of their last four and seven of their last ten. Zach Eflin goes for the Phillies. He's been on the shelf since the middle of July. He's probably going to be in the neighborhood of 60 to 70 pitches. Our official guess is 65 pitches. Um, expect three to four innings minimum of this Philadelphia Phillies bullpen, which has been a gas can the last month or so. The Phillies overall, they've allowed four runs in five of their last seven. I think that Arizona may not get the win because we're not going to, we're not getting involved with Zach Gallen, but we are going to get involved with Zach Eflin and the Philly and the Diamondbacks offense. Give us the Arizona Diamondbacks team total over Three and a half minus 115. Plus, we talked about how the Phillies bullpen should probably pitch around three to four innings. That's assuming that F1 even pitches well because he hasn't pitched in about a month because of injury. There's a decent chance he goes three innings and gives up three runs here because it's one thing if you want to do some rehab starts against minor leaguers. You face off against major leaguers for the first time in about a month. There's a chance in a hitters-friendly ballpark you might get shelved. Yeah, it is true. Now, I will say this in, in, in fairness, in defense of young Master Eflin, it is it was a knee injury that had him on the shelf. It wasn't an arm injury. So that makes a little bit of a difference as far as being able to get tired or you know not have the feel for your ball. But again, when you talk about your footwork and pushing off, landing and everything, but let's face it, Scott, when you're a major league pitcher, every body part makes a difference. So I think that Arizona... We're going to hold our nose on this one, guys, because they're not obviously a very good team, especially on the road, but I think they get it done here. Philly's pitching has been so bad down the stretch. Yep, it really has. All right, guys, well, that's going to wrap it up for Winners and Winers Radio. We appreciate your time today. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you watching if you're over there on the YouTube. Of course, if you're looking to download it early, don't forget to check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Google Play, as far as uh, Anchor and Spotify as well. So check it out there. For myself and for Scott Reichel and for the whole team here at Winners and Winners Radio, appreciate you guys being part of the show today. Good luck on all of your plays, and we'll see you tomorrow on Winners and Winners Radio. Take care, everybody.